Welcome to this episode of Mystics and Skeptics. Now here's your host, Sybil. Hello, fellow humans. Hope you and yours are well, wherever you are. Today we have Susan Bennett Fisher and Martin Fisher. They are pioneers in the study and research of the nine natural numbers. Since 2012, Susan and Martin Fisher have been working together to identify over 8,000 people from around the world to build and share their understanding of how the body of nine shows up in so many aspects of human experience. Susan and Martin, welcome to Mystics and Skeptics. We are so happy to be here. Before you know, we delve into the interview, I like uh, our listeners to know more about the guests and their backstory, right? And you know, and how they describe their journey and how they came to the point where they are today with you know whatever their belief systems are or discoveries in your case. So tell us about yourselves, please. So uh, Martin and I met in, I don't know, a long time ago now, uh, two weeks after I married my second husband. And we became very good friends, but nothing ever happened back then. And then we lost touch for 13 years where each of us went down um, our own individual road of growth and challenge. And I won't tell Martin's part of that 13 years, but I'll just give a quick recap of my 13 years. I married a drug addict, alcoholic abuser and had three daughters and got myself into a very codependent situation that was unhealthy for all of us. And uh, after about nine years in that situation, I decided it was time to get out and probably stayed a little longer than I should have, but I am a super loyal person. And I uh, have great hope for all relationships. And so, uh, and, and I didn't know what I was dealing with. So as I educated myself and I started to rediscover myself, I decided I wanted to become a life coach. Uh, my background in, uh, before that was uh, in, I have a, a degree in mathematical economics from Brown University and an MBA and a master of arts in international studies from Wharton and uh, was in the inaugural class of the Lauder Institute, which is a, a very prestigious international program. And so I had really followed the prescription that society laid out, which is make a lot of money, have a family, you know, live the perfect life. And I thought I had achieved that and it all really blew up. So on the other side, I, I started to get back to, and, and I think this happens commonly for women in their forties, uh, but to realize that there's more life than what you actually have accomplished so far. And so I wanted to connect back to the, that sense of knowing within myself that I, I had value, I had a purpose, and there was more to life than where I was in the moment. Because that was actually a pretty, pretty dark place at the time. So I started taking a training class with the Coach Training Institute, which was one of the early coaching schools. There was only like two way back then. And I did their leadership program. And their leadership program included at the time what was called soul typing, which was a very weird word for what we now call natural number. And, but the impact was tremendous because I found out who I was at the level of my body, as it relates to my core being, what my, essentially my superpower is. And I felt into, I felt like I had found my calling as a human being, which was to research, understand, and teach about this work. And from the moment I found out my natural number, I really have not diverged from that path in over 20 years now. And never in my life have I ever stuck with anything other than being a mother, of course, for that long. 
And in 2007, Martin came back into my life and he was one of the first people I did his natural number identification on my own without any help from the people that I was studying with. And it launched uh, our relationship. Yeah, I had been uh, off working at Yahoo in the early 1990s and left Yahoo in about 2000 and took a little bit of a diversion to a career in aviation. And flying around the cloud tops and seeing the beauty of nature, I realized there was a lot more to life that I had as a computer programmer and remembered back to when I was a young teenager and I had some um, spiritual experiences that I'd pretty much forgotten. So I spent a couple of years finding and following various paths, trying to figure out you know, what, what was my spirituality. And got back together with Susan in 2007, and she introduced me to the concept that there are basically nine physiologically different kinds of people. And that was, I was very skeptical. I'm naturally a skeptic. And um, when I get to hear something that doesn't make any sense or seems really new and unusual, um, it wasn't until I'd had the experience and able to do a lot of research on my own on the, these concepts and look back and see how long has this knowledge been known by humanity and it goes back thousands of years and then i started to work with susan to bring it out to the world and do my part in helping drive the context and the understanding if we start from a from a somewhat i suspect controversial statement that there are actually only nine different kinds of people there's you know a million you know, seven billion different people but there's only nine ways people experience the world um it is very uh, large statement to make without a lot of background, a lot of evidence. And so over the last 10 years, we've worked with 8,000 people. We are very comfortable in the evidence. We know how people's bodies show up. What are the muscles? What are the bones? Where in the body are they? And we listened to 8,000 people telling us about their reality. So we got here by following, and it's a very hackneyed phrase now, we're standing on the shoulders of giants, but there's a lot of people that have come before us. We've been lucky enough to have the time to be able to look and work with people to talk about this discovery. So, you know, I'm, I'm envious to be honest with you <laughs> in terms of um, you are both are highly educated. It sounds like you had successful careers and you just pivoted, right? And took on this um, study, yes. right? And just spirituality and- We've had a, we've had, we've had a, a series of pivot points. Yes. Uh, our first pivot point was in 2012 when we went to Burning Man which is where we really started our research. We realized that in the festival community, we could work with large numbers of people at one time. So we got very specific research information as a result of identifying through our physical process up to 100 people a day for up to nine days. And the fun thing about Burning Man is people want new experiences. And you put up a sign that says, know your superpower, and people flock to your door. Yeah, so we were, we were so busy by the end of the... Each, each of our festivals, we had waiting lines of people trying to find out their natural number because people would go back to their camp and then bring all of their campmates. And all of a sudden we'd have 30 people that wanted to find out their natural number. But from that experience, we were really able to get the micro movements, the, the specific specificity of the face shape, the way the muscle holds in the face, the quality of the eye. I mean, for me, all I have to do is stand in, somebody, in front of somebody and look at their eyes and I could narrow it down very quickly based off of the quality in the eye. So learning to see this was as much a, a that was kind of our first habit. 
Yeah, a set of habits we develop. You yes. do something for 10,000 hours, you get good at it. We've right. been doing it a lot longer than that. Right, so that was our first pivot point. Yeah, I think you mentioned that uh, you've studied uh, thousands, right, of people during your um, research. Um, are these diverse groups, you know, people from around the world have different, you know, yep. cultural environments yes. and whatever, okay. Socioeconomic, all that. Yes. Well, Burning Man is actually a really diverse community. People come from all over the world there. So we we worked with people from 58 countries. We've worked with all races um, and national, you know, 57 nationalities. We have worked with twins, identical twins, non-identical twins. Triplets. We've worked with families of 10 or 12 people. We have um, we've worked uh, up and down the festival uh, circuit in California, which again has and, a huge and range Europe of people and, other places and we've worked in Europe and um, we'd still like to get to Asia and do a nice solid Asian uh, sample size. But we have had a number of Asian people of varieties of nationalities uh, in the Asian community. And one of the things that makes this discovery, I think, more profound is that your natural number doesn't repeat in families. So you and your brothers and sisters and your parents none of you have the same natural number till you get to the ninth tenth person. Tenth person. Yeah. And we have a large number of families where- It has to start to repeat. That's seven true. children and the last two, the eighth and ninth children are the same as the parents. So we've got a fair amount of data about this number not, not repeating. And statistically, based on the number of families we've worked at, if there wasn't, if there wasn't a repeat, we'd have noticed it by now. Right, so it would have happened. It would have happened. Statistically. So, so th th there's another really strange sort of question on top of well why nine we don't know but we know there are and then why doesn't it repeat we don't know that either so oh you have ideas now we have a lot of ideas <laughs> how but the, the uh, philosophical question about why no idea and I, I don't we don't want to look at that you know we, we want to study what's here what's real what the data shows not sort of some esoteric well it's philosophically you know nine's not a good number it needs to be seven or eleven or whatever so um you know we spend a lot of time you know, I did a little bit of research about the history. There's a lot of history going back thousands of years. The Egyptians have known about this since you know, 5,000 plus BC. The Indian continent has at least two different methods of nine that they use. Uh, yeah, systems of nine are out there all over the place. It's just they all are missing this physical component at this point. Yeah, because obviously the Enneagram is the place to start. And that's uh, it, it, is the, it is the net is the place where the birth is because the people that taught Susan realized that there was a different movement that people made depending on their Enneagram. But the Enneagram is very much a psychological model. This is a body model. And so we believe that our ability to determine your nature is a lot more accurate than a, philosophic, a, a, a psychological questionnaire that's really after determining your nature. Your nurture. Nurture. And I was going to ask you about the, about the Enneagram and, you know, the correlation with that and um, the body of nine. Like, and you just, I think Martin, you just uh, pointed it out. That's more psychological versus body of nine is more physical. Is that correct? It is absolutely um, true. However, the original observations were made using a combination of the Enneagram and Aikido, the martial art of Aikido. They were doing Aikido exercises and they noticed people didn't uh, weird things. And then they realized they were doing weird things based off how they had identified using a, a version of the Enneagram. So that was absolutely the source of the discovery of the noticing. And since then, 
you know, we've gone on to understand, as Martin said, the muscles, bones, and fascia that are for each activation area, where they're located, how they, what does it feel like when you activate a different natural number than your own? What does it feel like when you activate your own natural number? What are the characteristics, values, ways of support? So we have a tremendous body of knowledge now. We have two books that we've written about that, that are, that describe quite a bit of, you know, what we've seen and what's come out of our research. Thanks, Susan. Um, in terms of, uh, so there's nine regions of the body, correct? That people, I don't know how to- One is born active. That, okay, good, that were born active. Can you just uh, unpack it a little bit more for the listeners in terms of um, why and how does that matter on, a, on how people behave and interact with others in terms of the regions of the body, whichever one's active? Yeah, so we can tell pretty much from birth because you actually move from your natural number center. So at balance, you balance. So if you watch babies move, you can have a good idea about where their natural number center is. And the one that is yours stays with you through life. Although learning to activate the other way really is a major evolutionary change, we believe. But it determines, or at least very strongly influences how you move, what you care about, how you process data, how you build and what you care about in relationship. So pretty much your physical reality, we sometimes refer to it as your earth suit because there are nine earth suits. So for example, the even numbers are very body-based. The odd numbers, not so body-based. The numbers one, two, three, four value relationship more than process, if you will. And they create a particular kind of connection and teach us how to create that connection. Whereas five, six, seven, eight, and nine get, help us to transform the world. So, for example, if you have a natural number two or three, say, and you really love relationship and you want to make eye contact as part of the relationship, but you meet people that don't give you eye contact, it's probably not because they're disrespecting you, it's because they don't value eye contact. And in some cases, it actually distracts them from being able to think. Yes. And, you're, you know, the first part of your question was, well, why does this matter? And uh, that's a multi-part answer. First, you understand yourself. So once you know how your body is activated, you understand, oh, I'm, I'm perceiving this kind of information in this way, and, and this is what it gives me, and that this is how it becomes my superpower, and how do I use that? And how do I understand the difference between my nature and my life experiences, the nurture that's laid on top? So that's the starting point. Then you can learn to activate the others, which helps you to understand other people and how to meet them in a different place, depending on where they live. And so you can integrate these new ways of perceiving into your abilities. So instead of just perceiving through this one lens that's born active, you now have eight other lenses, which makes you a much more cosmic human. Another way to think about it is that studies have said, and I'm sure you and your listeners have all heard, most of all, some large percentage of our communication is body-based. You know, body and tone and words. Right? And so if you have a body and you're not really connected to it and somebody else is listening on a different frequency if you will using different bodily things you get static the communication is not as clear and because it doesn't repeat in families you've not been raised your parents love you hopefully but they've raised you to be a little like them rather than a lot like you so it's very hard to feel honored for who you really are because your parents haven't really supported you because they didn't know because they didn't know it's, it's, did, it's, we don't know how to see this with each other right. And, and this is the other really true benefit, which is 
there's a fundamental assumption in the world that we're either all completely different or all completely the same. We, have, we all have the same body parts for the most part, but they function so differently that we're not. So when you under, start to understand that the people around you are different in so many fundamental ways, you stop trying to make them a little bit better by telling them how they could improve to be more like you. So it gives you this context to say, wow, Martin has this amazing ability to hold this very, very big picture. And he doesn't like to be interrupted because it, 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 when he's talking because it breaks his framework. And then he loses his track and he may never make the intuitive leaps that come with being Martin. But me, I'm like, I take a direction that he gives and I take it over here and then I'll take it over here. And so I keep changing the direction of his thoughts and he drives them nuts. If we didn't know that about each other, we would probably be divorced. It would, it would be harder. It would be much harder. <laughs> and the final thing before your next question, we've discovered that we pretty much give love from our natural number center. So you are hopefully used to receiving love from your parents, brothers and sisters. So you meet somebody and you think, wow, I like that person. I can really get on with them. But if they didn't have a source of connection that you're familiar with or they're familiar with, you're not going to make a connection with that person. So we've all had occasions where I really like this person and they just don't seem to care about you. And it's probably not because they don't care. It's probably because they just don't understand you. They never had exposure to your natural number. Or worse, if you, you know, maybe at school you were bullied and you, there was a certain natural number that was always bullying you, you may have trouble with that natural number for the rest of your life just because you're used to that, that body type. So I was going to it's a very sorry i started to interrupt i apologize um as since you both you know are, are very uh i could i could feel the chemistry between the both of you through the screens you know um so which generated a question in my mind uh, do certain numbers attract or better fits are more compatible than others you know like a four should not <laughs> go with an eight no. or whatever <laughs> i want to take this <laughs> Susan will start first and then I'll Yeah, and with, this is how we work, right? So any two numbers in combination make something very specific. So for example, five and six, Martin's a five, I'm a six. We can really get things done together. And as long as we don't, uh, as long as we respect the way the other person works and honor that and allow it to happen, we can do things together that we could never do apart. But there are classic problems and classic good things in every combination. Attraction, as Martin said, really comes from that familiarity with a natural number. Like my mother is a natural number one. I am wildly attracted to natural number one men. They are not good for me and I don't want to be with them. <laughs> Something I had to work out in my journey. But that attraction is so powerful that it, it you know, it drew me into relationships that weren't necessarily the right ones. Whereas Martin was more of a choice for me than, than uh, I understood him at a certain level, but it was, it was more like we were called together de destiny-wise. Okay. And we both had to do the work of choosing those unhealthy relationships before we realized that we know we really needed to choose a destiny-type relationship. Clearly, every person can do every job, for example. We're trying to help people get out of their buckets, give them wings to fly, not put people in buckets. Right. That's obviously, everyone's like, I don't want to be in a bucket. Completely agree, no one wants to be in a bucket. There are a, statistically, at least from the samples we have, there are some natural number pairings that we very don't see very often. You never see two of the same, for example, at least with children. And very, 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 very seldom do we actually see a couple of the same natural number. It just doesn't seem to happen. 
But there are some that we see fairly frequently. And knowing what we, as we do, the underlying needs and wishes of some of the natural numbers, you can see that two natural numbers that both like eye contact, they're going to get on a lot better than one that does and one that doesn't. Unless it's no. Unless it's no. Yes. But even so, you know, there's a level of knowing and a level of being able to versus a level of doing something naturally. So, so the natural um, desires and the natural natural path, if you will. So, and the other weird thing is that you know, odd numbers and even numbers, like five and six together, tend to be a little bit smoother than two two evens or two odds. That's sort of, we're still working on that path of it. There are perfectly happy couples yes. that are evens together or odds, but uh, there seems to be something about, so the physical is covered in the even and the, you know, the spiritual or the unembodied yes. entity level work is covered in the odd numbers. And so they, they approach life also you also see head, chest, body combinations. So there are three in the head, three in the chest, and three in the core. And interestingly, the odd numbers start at nine on the back, three on the front, and then one under the throat, seven on the forehead, and five in the back. So all the odd numbers are basically upper chest up. And all the even numbers are uh, lower chest down. We've no idea why the no. numbers are in those places, but there are mathematical reasons in relationships between them. Yes, that, that correlate to the placement right. and, the, and the impact. Right, and numerology is kind of interesting too, although that gets a little bit more esoteric perhaps. And uh, you know, obviously the next question is, well, we know where they are on the body. How does that relate to the chakras? Well, they <laughs> seem to be co-located. Did you read my questions? Did I like email them to you by accident? I was going to ask you about the chakras and how that relates. <laughs> Go ahead, steal my thunder. No, no, no I apologize completely for this. Looking at the questions we often get, I sort of get excited to sort of answer them before they get asked, I guess. The, the heart chakra contains three energy centers, two at the front and one at the back. The others are co-located, although chakras seem to be more regional rather than specific to bones, fascia, and uh, muscles. And you know, we've spent a lot of time really looking and talking to doctors and the medical profession about what is it in the body that support these things. Right, so, what's going on there right. in that region. So for example, natural number three is the top of the sternum. It uses the manubrium, the collarbone, the trapezius muscles, and they rotate around the manubrium, which gives this lift and um, focus in, and their body that's also associated with the power of being a natural number three, which is having tremendous detailed focus and um, and using that ability to focus to move people towards their purpose. And that's just kind of the- So how do you activate? Like, how do you activate a body region? Can you describe? Well, it depends on whether you're an odd number or an even number. For me as an even number, I bring my focus to my body and I learned what it feels like to turn on any one of those areas and so I just recreate that sensation in my body. So if I'm, like right now I'm gonna to try to activate number seven, which is a really quiet one, so maybe that wasn't the best choice. Um, but I bring my focus to my forehead. I roll my eyes up to look at my third eye. I lean forward, tuck my chin. So I create a line from my forehead down to the base of my spine if I'm sitting. Or standing, I would put my uh, one leg back and lock it out. And then that gives me a physical access to a different dimension of information. 
And I use it the exact opposite. I put the intention and then I make the physical movement. So if I want to activate, say, my two, which is down here, which is completely other. Okay, you have to say where because this is audio. Yeah, you're right. Thank you. Upper, upper abs. Upper, yes, it, just in the upper abs. So I activate my upper abs. I give the intention of wanting to be in connection with somebody, and my eyes light up. I My awareness, which is normally 360 degrees as a five, just becomes you, basically. So you know, it, it, there's different ways, but it's basically a combination of... And each one is completely different. Yep, and each one feels like, like, wow, do you live in that place? I'm so sorry for you. you know? <laughs> so the activation is there's two steps. It's the intention yes. and the physical. The physical, physical yes. So you have to actually, it's one of the challenging things with this, is you have to learn to use muscles and bones that you really don't use very much in a very, very different way than you'd use them when they're just supporting your own natural number. So as a sixth natural number, I'm using the intercostal muscles in between my middle ribs, and I have a very flat sternum. And that sternum lifts and my chest expands, and that lets me feel energy. And that's a unique thing to sixes. We develop larger chests over the course of our lives, um, but there's a lift and a height. You can see it in little kids. We were, we were hanging out with some kids last weekend, and the six, the little boy, you know, there's this lift in his chest that's always there, especially when they're active and doing things. And so you learn to see and um, know that. Um, but I was going somewhere with that. Where was I going? Oh, well, anyway, <laughs> the point is our bodies are quite different and I'm used to supporting that chest. Whereas when I activate a different one, like seven, there's no body at all. I, I, I lose any awareness of my chest, my body, my feet, um, because seven is very much about opening to the ethereal realm where we can bring information that's not yet known here. And they have guides, they have a, a, a rich possibility-filled inner world that is only accessible to me when I actually activate my forehead. And that's really cool. I, I like your thoughts on, you know, it's just got, got me thinking, you know, mind, body, soul, talk about chakras, enneagrams, and now body of nine, mind, body, and soul piece, whether they're all connected. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And, and that's one of the cool things about finding out your natural number. It's almost like it reconnects it. I think our life experiences often disconnect our mind, body and soul. And that's kind of how we're thought to, to compartmentalize out in the world. You know, school te teaches you to use your mind, you know, uh, everywhere somebody's teaching you something different, but they're rarely taught together. Whereas when you activate your natural number, it's almost like a, a fusing of the mind, body and soul happens yeah we like to say that when someone has is been activated it starts the process of building them back together in some extent it, it's a physical process even even over zoom which we do mostly these days uh, it takes two to three to four months to really have that land land solid integrate yeah but our experience is that within three or four months people will basically get it back in touch and say i feel happier my life feels more in pur on purpose and so this is a way to find your natural purpose again and you know, there's a lot of us lucky enough to have their capital B big purpose aligned with their natural purpose. But you know, your natural number helps you understand your natural purpose. And we've also had people leave having been natural, identified and within days change their job because they just realized that they couldn't be in uh, a situation. A they, situation. In. they couldn't be the authentic selves in the environment that they found themselves in. So yes, it's very much. It leads me to my next question in terms of um... So you're born with a natural number and you're that number for the remainder of your life. Yep. You can't evolve beyond it. Okay. Or change it or regress or you can learn to activate the other eight. So 
So you can activate the other eight, which again, offers you nine new ways of perceiving. It would be like, if, for example, if you had been blind all your life and all of a sudden you could see, you'd have to learn what to do with that information. So your natural number is your superpower because you're so far ahead in developing that one, right? You've been developing that one naturally since you were born, but you can consciously develop your access to the others. And Martin and I have been doing this for years now, so we can pretty quickly turn on another natural number, another part of our body to shift what we're perceiving. And we could actually even do sort of do two at once, maybe three, then it gets a little complicated, um, but you get informed differently. And it shifts how your energy shows up and it enhances your ability to communicate with people that aren't the same natural number as you and to learn new skills. You know, my mother, she's natural number one and one is about honoring all other beings. And that pretty much drives her. And now we've, we've realized that, you know, cause she's always on my case to be more polite and, uh, and more honoring of other people. And she's been that way on me since I was little, because as a six, that's not actually a primary piece of my vocabulary. My job is to move people forward. It doesn't mean I'm going to honor them first. So I've had to learn that. It's like, well, how do I honor you before I say, okay, this is where we're going. <laughs> so we become more effective when we add these other skills to our arsenal. And we really like the, the term evolution yeah. because we, we really see this as an opportunity for humanity to evolve. I mean, the, the ability to get on better with other people, looking at the world right now, and I'm going to make the statement, the world is kind of a mess. <laughs> kind of. And I think that if we could understand each other better, we could honor each other better, and we could just really know that other people are doing their, well, many other people are doing their best, but the inability for us to communicate and be heard is, I think it's- It's causing tremendous problems. Yeah. Really, I, I get on, and, and the other thing is, it's like, you know, if you go on social media, you get these platitudes and these messages and everybody's out there trying to convince you that their thing is the best thing. Now we are doing the same thing. So I, you know, I'll own that piece. But um, the reality is without a context or your wisdom, it doesn't make sense unless that other person has your natural number. So eight out of nine people that hear anything from anybody that is a guru or, because there's a million of very, very smart people that have got some great ideas and some great ways of being. Some and normally they're teaching their natural number. Yeah. And so what we're saying is that, and if you look at the statistics, it's about 11% penetration for most of the self-help books. And that's because only one out of nine can really resonate and hear what's being said. So if you understand this context, you become so much more impactful. Right. And so like, you know, like I said, you get out there on social media, I just get upset because people are putting out this wisdom as if it's true for everybody. And the reality is that it's not. One size does not fit all and you need to understand the other eight in context so you can take them in. But if you don't have a context for all this crazy information it's like well which do i listen to and then you just wait till something resonates and then that's probably somebody that's already speaking your language so you don't really grow you just pick the one that's most comfortable oh i like that one because that's how i feel about life our bodies are constantly it's like they're steering us in a very particular way but it's unconscious our bodies you mean yeah, yeah, it's unconscious how we're being steered in our behavior and our 
And, and as a result, our gift doesn't get received. And we don't receive the gifts from other people. And don't feel seen ourselves. Yeah. I mean, they just, you know, I'm a little bit on a soapbox about this, but, you know, coaching, we're trying to work with coaches and holistic practitioners. And they, I, I, I can't tell you how often I hear, oh, you know, I'm already on my purpose. I'm already good. I don't need any more information. I'm like, okay, fine. No more information for you then. Okay, Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, it's frustrating. Introducing new information in the world is a super challenging thing to do because there's no context for the, this out there because this context isn't known. It's all about listening to each other, right? Respecting, listening, and just, uh, <laughs> we're temporarily on this planet. Let's make the most of it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why it's so hard. Well, it's hard because we don't understand how different we are. <laughs> that's, why, that's why it's hard. <laughs> Well, there you go. <laughs> I like people so much more now that I know this. People are just much cooler than we think. I tell you, you're far advanced than most. Yeah, for sure. Um, you mentioned earlier in the interview that like in a family unit, you said that each person has a unique number. Like you won't, mm -hmm. like the parents won't have the same number as our kids or yeah. that's true. Okay. So this is where I'm going to go a little esoteric. <laughs> I mean, do you, you know, keeping an open mind, right? We talk about mind, body, soul, chakras, enneagrams, how it relates to body of nine. Do you think there is a divine design behind all of this? So <laughs> I was recently reading a book called evolution 2.0 and he's his point is, and I, I can't disagree with it, is that if you look at how the DNA and the uh, epigenetics and the mRNA work together, there is a very clever design. There's a, and I'm going to use the word design, yes. There's a very clever mechanism in there that keeps things working. I don't know if it is. So, yes, there is a design. How that design comes about, I have no idea. There's a lot of debate if you start looking at the design versus creationism versus, but I don't think they're different. There are a lot of scientists, and I firmly believe that, that God works through science. Do I believe in a deity and a bigger power? Absolutely. There is no doubt in my mind there is a bigger power. Because why not? <laughs> there's a whole bunch of questions. But are we designed? Who knows? There's, there is some evidence. There's a system in place, clearly. There's like, you know what I mean? There's a system in place. I think that's, that's, that, that's the best way to describe it. There's a system in place. Did it come through nature or was it, or was it given to us? I don't know. Maybe. And, and so my natural number five, there are three things that I believe in. And one of them is that everything is knowable. But I do understand I may have to die to, um, to know a lot of Different paths, same destination. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There certainly is some, some evidence that, that we're here to have an experience. Yes. Um, and it's it's a magical experience if you are lucky and you stay open and don't disbelieve. Yeah, one of the there's many mantras. One of the mantras that came out of Burning Man is choose love. That was the first thing that we learned, and it was a great ba uh, base for what we do from there on. Loving humanity and don't disbelieve is the other one because you know th there's a lot of things out there that you know. Th Anything from psychic surgery to Reiki to there's all these things, miracles. miracles, there's all these things that can't be proved to be true. The ether, for example, you know, they went out there. I know I can't prove this, so I'm going to prove that I can't prove it. Okay. Um, 
And so there's a lot of things out there that I think is, that are bigger. And one of the things we would like to encourage is people to not disbelieve the magic that they believe they can do. Right, because when you actively disbelieve, you close off possibility. And you close off possibility, you're never going to learn anything new. <laughs> if you don't think you can do it, I guarantee you probably can't do it. No, I'm just, you know, I'm thinking like in a household, say your your parents are violent, you know, alcoholics, uh, you know, it's a traumatic childhood. One child will grow up to be a successful CEO, you know, of a Fortune 500, while the other one will be a hobo. Right. And there's, there's some reasons for that, we think. And so we're getting, you know, this is a little bit more esoteric, is that one of the things that we know is that the even numbers are very, very body-based. And any bodily trauma is going to force them not to be in their body and hence not able to process what happens. They'll lose connection to their strength, which is in the body. So if they dissociate and can't trust their body, they really lose their connection to their superpower. Right. And the even number, the odd numbers rather, not so body-based, and can sort of disregard their body a little bit. Now, that, that, and I had it doesn't also, mean that it's always going to be the even numbers no, that no. don't recover, but <laughs> the impact of trauma and nurture on our nature it, it creates very different outcomes. Right. And so the CEO may be, you know, a CEO because he's turned into not a nice guy to be a CEO <laughs> person. Sorry. And so, you know, th th there's th there's a lot of research and, and our statement is very much, you know, if it's hard to get identified and hard to make good use of it unless you're at baseline. And there's many, many people that have suffered trauma. This is not a cure for trauma, but it's a way to understand how to treat that trauma in a yeah. very different and we believe more effective way. Right, because if you assume everybody you're dealing with has the same physio, physiological experience of life, then what you apply for one person, you should apply for the next. Well, that's actually not true. You know, uh, we have, I do have three traumatized daughters and all of them deal with their trauma in very, very different ways. And they have some aspects that are absolutely in common, but the odd number one versus the even one have actually quite different symptoms. They all suffer from the trauma, but in very different ways. And they recover in very different ways as well. So our nature underlies our life experiences, um, which can include trauma. So we get, um, often trauma will take us away from our strength of our nature and our body. This helps us, you, helps you reconnect to that nature and to understand where you're moving towards. What is a healthy person with my natural number? What do they look like? And, and those are definitions we're still trying to come up with because there aren't very many healthy people out there, <laughs> ourselves included, right? We've had to do our own work because we've, uncover these things but we've had what we have had is this base of understanding our nature and when we remember to go back to that for me to expand my chest and for martin to connect up from his head we know how to recover and then once we've recovered then we can start going again and that takes us back to the difference between what we do in the enneagram for example or any of the any of these it's like okay now i know so what but in the body of nine we give you a physical movement you can do to get back to your strength and of course you can learn to do the others so. right so we believe again going back to the evolutionary piece is that we don't know what's possible for humanity but if we all can activate our own and activate all nine wow what could be possible 
you don't know. Uh, is there a difference in uh, how the natural number manifests based on your gender? Slightly. Yes, slightly. slightly. But again, it's, it's kind of like the bell curve. You know, there's on the edges. Um, the, the one we see the most, honestly, is the difference between male and female gendered fives. Because the male five genders seem to be more about how do things work. The female five genders seem to be more about how do people work together. But that's about the extent of the most. Just, just, and that's a large generalization. Yeah, there's huge. And it, yes, and it's a dangerous slippery slope because, you know, this is where nurture and uh, starts to play a big role. So, you know, I'll go to the one example, male ones being vulnerable, not typically supported, yet that's a crucial aspect of their being. And as a result, they learn, they go to competition to prove their worth, yeah, and so on and so forth. And, but that's where the nature gets overwritten by the, the nurture. And culture, for example, I grew up in the UK. Nerds are held in slightly better esteem in the UK than they do out here. And the same true for you know, any culture other national. Right. The culture that doesn't support eye contact, for example, is really bad for it's, people in eye contact. Right. Who use their uh, who use eye contact to right. uh, related to their natural number? Because we all use eye contact, obviously. Yeah. But how whether you use it to build relationship or scan and to get information depends, depends on the natural, natural number. number. Yeah. Um, I reviewed some of your works uh, before the interview. Uh, you talk about the importance of posture. Can you just uh, describe that a little bit more for listeners? Why that's so important? Yes. Um, well, it turns out our mothers were right. There are, we move from our movement center and we balance there. And when our bodies are lifted and expanded from the movement center, it creates a natural alignment that allows our spiritual energy to flow. And it allows our, our, our body to actually perceive. It's like tuning the radio. We turn the, tune the radio, they're static when we're collapsed. You, tune, you, you, you lift and expand yourself then it's like turning, tuning the radio so that you have a clearer signal in and out. Um, each of the natural numbers has a specific posture that assists with the activation. We teach those. But uh, your body will naturally do its thing. We have a little exercise that we call collapse and lift. And um, if you want to try it, you can sit on your sits bones and just let your body go, just shake it out. Collapse your whole body so no muscles are holding you up at all. And then just take a deep breath and lift your body up, and you will naturally do that from your movement center. So you will have lifted your body using either your core or your chest or your head and some aspect of, of each of those areas. So you will naturally come into alignment and center yourself as a result of just letting your body do its thing and not overriding it by collapsing or overdoing something let your body be its natural um and, and just the concept is just uh, let yourself get as tall as you can and however you get as tall as you can you'll be lifting and aligning around your natural number effortlessly and bodies and you'll feel better you'll feel happier then too i would th i would think yeah oh yes immediately. Absolutely. yes immediately happier better more aware yeah there's no downside to that at all yeah well, Susan and Martin, I've learned a lot and I'm really excited. I'm going to check out your book, Body of Nine, but I think you have a couple of books. Um, we do. If a listener, yeah, if, did you want to talk about the other one? What's the other one? 
Uh, well, we have two, the body of nine practices for presidents, and that's a quick overview of each of the nine, and then nine things that you can do to bring yourself more present, uh, different ways of using your natural number as your observer, using courage, curiosity, wonder and awe, things that we see every day, just a different way of rearranging them. Um, and then our body of nine, decode your physiology and discover your true self is everything we know. Everything we knew as of October a year ago. We, we actually learned some new things. That's, always learning. Yes, always learning. But this book will give you the, I joke that it should be the user's manual that comes with every child uh, because, you know, it's like we really do much better when we're supported at the level of our nature. And can you imagine all the abuse that could have been alleviated? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I know. I, I, my mother asked me this afternoon. Yeah. It, it, it's, yeah. You know, the, the, for the price of the book, you can save yourself hundreds of dollars in therapy. <laughs> Thousands. Uh, yeah, my mother asked both the parent and the child. <laughs> yeah. My mother asked me today, well, where would you like, you know, what would you like to see happen? And, and, and my big ass, hairy ass dream is that everybody knows this and we all just know it about each other. Yeah, if you can imagine children going to school and being honest with who they are, not being told to sit in the box that school wants them to be in. It, it's... Yeah, the ones that need to move are allowed to move around. The ones that need connection are allowed to have connection. The ones that need quiet are allowed to have quiet. It's, it, it would be uh, a new world. A new world. So if listeners want to get in touch with you, um, or I think you provide services too, right? Or coaching sessions. How can people contact you? How can they find out more? Oh, bodyofnine.com is the website. It's probably too much information there. That's what people keep telling me. But um, you can get identified individually as a couple or as a family. That's our core offering. We do that on Zoom. Basically, you know, you buy the product and you book it and we come with you and have a little chat and we look at you and have you do some weird things. And not that weird. No, no, we just jump up and down and turn around. And um, and then you find out your natural number, and we tell you about what it, what we know about that natural number. And then from there, you take it whatever direction. But we also have three programs right now for coaches and holistic practitioners and therapists to help them integrate this into what they're doing, so that their healing modalities can reach more people and they can do the good work that they're they really are truly trying to do. And that's we're launching three brand new programs, and they're all on the website as well under partner programs. And then we have our books on Amazon and uh, we'll talk to anybody. <laughs> okay. And you'll study them in the meantime, right? While you're talking. <laughs> well, there is that. <laughs> well, we, we like to think of it as mutual appreciation. Yes, mutual appreciation. <laughs> All right. Um, well, thanks so much for being on the show. Um, everyone, that was Susan Bennett Fisher and Martin Fisher. Thank, Thank you. you. And for our listeners, thank you for listening to Mystics and Skeptics. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the show on Amazon Music, Spotify, Patreon, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in and stay in peace, everyone.